Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my distinguished colleague, Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Happy New Year, Maria. Happy New Year, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. It's great to be with you and to start off 2023 with a wonderful guest. He is the founder and president of the Equal Rights Institute, an organization dedicated to equipping pro-life advocates with the ability to argue intelligently, honestly, and persuasively about abortion. We are very excited to talk with Josh Brom, who is helping to change the conversation on abortion. In addition, Maria will offer a tribute to our newly retired leader for the past 21 years, Michael Chico Chopo. But first, we'll begin with a bit of inspiration. This is a news story that was shared on the Facebook page of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. Now, some listeners may recall a past podcast when we spoke to Monica Kelsey, founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes, who herself had been abandoned as a newborn and now devotes her life to creating a safe space for mothers to surrender their babies. Such a space was not available 30 years ago, but the story I am about to share does have a happy ending. In the interest of time, I have omitted some parts, but we'll post the entire story to our podcast notes. The title of the story is Woman Abandoned at Birth Nearly 30 Years Ago in Jacksonville Has Finally Found Her Birth Parents, and the author is Heather Crawford. It took nearly 30 years, but a woman who was left on a Jacksonville doorstep hours after she was born says she finally knows who her birth parents are. They were shocked, really shocked, as you can imagine. No one knew about me. No one even knew my mom was pregnant, Anaya Smith said. After Smith shared her story with First Coast News in 2021, a genealogy sleuth reached out and offered to help her find her biological family. An ancestry DNA test revealed Smith had a half-sister and that she said she led to her, and she said that led her to her father in Jacksonville. Their first phone call included an apology she had waited so long to hear. That's something I haven't really gotten from my mother, but I can definitely feel that it was something that he had been carrying with him for very long, Smith said. I appreciated that moment of just him telling me that he was truly and deeply sorry, just explaining his mindset, his thought process at the time. But as far as my extended family, They've just been there with me every step of the way. I couldn't ask for a better family, to be honest. She says her father admitted that he and her birth mother left her on the doorstep of an apartment in Jacksonville's Riverside neighborhood in 1992. My mother was 18 at the time. My father was 19. So they were really young, you know, didn't really know what to do, Smith said. My mom hid the pregnancy the whole nine months, so no one knew my mother was pregnant other than my father. That call with her father helped her connect with her mother's side of the family. Charles Thompson couldn't believe it when he first heard Anaya might be his relative. Uncle Butch, as she now calls him, offered to take a DNA test. Piece by piece, I put the puzzle together, Charles Thompson said. I put the puzzle together to find out Anaya is my great niece. 
He and his brother have no doubt Anaya is their blood relative. Her DNA did match up with my nephew, and I don't think our DNA lies, Tony Thompson said. It was like, wow, but more importantly, how could this have happened when it really didn't have to happen, Charles Thompson said. It's one of many questions Anaya was able to finally ask her birth mother. I remember just sitting on the phone with her and just asking her a million questions about herself, Smith said. I wanted to know the ins and outs about her because I had, you know, just thought about who this person could have been for so long. I just wanted to know everything. Well, she didn't get all the answers she was looking for. She says she's not angry anymore about being abandoned. She was adopted and raised by a loving family who had supported her finding her birth parents and the four siblings she never knew she had. Now I just want to move forward. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want a relationship, Smith said. I want that relationship. I want to be able to visit both sides of my family on holidays. And I just want a deep relationship with my siblings. A relationship she's building with her newly found relatives. Her great uncle, Tony Thompson, organized a Zoom family call to welcome her. She's looking forward to the day when she and her son, Zion, can meet them all in person. And they're planning on that in-person gathering in the spring. I plan on giving her a 30-year hug. I'm just going to hold her and tell her she is loved by all of us here and she is part of this family, Tony Thompson said. Now, I, I really love the story because it shows the possibility of a beautiful outcome, even when there is an unexpected pregnancy and much fear and much doubt. I'm so glad that this little baby was found and adopted and is now a mom herself who's reconnecting with her family. Today, safe haven laws and safe haven baby boxes, which are available only in certain states, are saving lives by allowing the safe surrender of an infant, no questions asked. It is a life-affirming option for a desperate young woman or couple who might be paralyzed by fear. And it is an option that we should make sure is available everywhere and is known. Maria. Thank you so much, Bonnie. It was a time before Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook when tweets were associated with birds and posts were what held up backyard fences. January of 2002 marked the beginning of fresh leadership at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, the Keystone State affiliate of National Right to Life. The new man at the helm was an Air Force veteran, an accomplished hospital administrator who felt in his heart that he was being called to pro-life work. Recently, Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation Executive Director Michael Chicochopo ended his 21-year tenure as head of the Commonwealth's largest statewide organization, focused on the core pro-life issues of abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia. His retirement marks the end of an era, highlighted by the fall of the 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision known as Roe versus Wade. During Michael's impressive stint at the Federation, the organization launched a partnership with teenbreaks.com which has resulted in hundreds of thousands of young people receiving life-saving, life-changing information. Under his leadership, the Federation also led the way in passing a bill requiring abortion centers to meet basic health and safety standards. The bill was the state legislature's response to the massive tragedy in West Philadelphia, where abortionist Kermit Gosnell was suspected of killing hundreds of newborn babies in his House of Horrors abortion facility. Gosnell was ultimately convicted of murdering three newborns 
and causing the death of a female immigrant patient, Karnamaya Mangar. We salute Michael for his stellar leadership, courage, and grace, and wish him well as he ventures into retirement. The board of directors and staff of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation will be forever grateful to him for answering the call to pro-life service so many years ago. Bonnie. Thank you, Maria. He will be so missed. Well, I am so thrilled to introduce today's guest. Josh Brom has worked in the pro-life movement since he was 18 years old. After 12 years of full-time pro-life work, he launched Equal Rights Institute to maximize his impact on the movement. A sought-after speaker, Josh has spoken for more than 23,000 people in six countries and in 25 of the 50 states. He has publicly debated leaders from Planned Parenthood, the National Abortion Rights Action League, also known as NARAL, Georgians for Choice, and one of the leading abortion facilities in Atlanta. Josh is formerly the host of a globally heard podcast turned radio TV show, Life Report. He now hosts the Equipped for Life podcast. He's also written dozens of articles for lifenews.com and the ERI blog. He has been interviewed by the Washington Post, NPR, and Focus on the Family. He directed the first 40 Days for Life campaign in Fresno, resulting in up to 60 lives saved. Josh has been happily married to his wife, Hannah, for 16 years, and they have three sons and live in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are honored to have Josh join us today on Positively Pro-Life. Welcome, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. What is the Equal Rights Institute and how did it get started? Yeah, so ERI started about eight years ago because uh, my brother and I had a very particular vision for what it should look like when pro-life and pro-choice people talk to each other. Um, and that vision was so different from every other kind of pro-life apologetics organization that it didn't seem like we could just join up with another group. We wanted to really try to spread a, a, a particular um, message about how to do it. And so our mission statement is to train pro-life advocates to think clearly, reason honestly, and argue persuasively. But the way that like the shorthand way that I, if I'm on a plane and someone asks me what I do, I just tell them I help pro-life people to be less weird. <laughs> and that usually gets a conversation going about what does that mean? And there's good, weird, you know, being in the, in the freezing January, you know, DC, there's, there's good, weird. And what I mean by, by the weird that we shouldn't be is those people, and we all know these people, they are well-meaning, but off-putting. Like the way that they talk about the issue sort of it makes it even harder for the other person to hear what they have to say or have their mind changed. And so I'm really interested in persuasion. I'm interested in the little dialogue tips, the little things that we've learned by going through the fire of over 5,000 conversations with pro-choice people and just spreading what we're learning. And so there's sort of a side of this that's very relational. I'm into relational apologetics. We should be friends with pro-choice people. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you can do in that context. But then sort of on the other side of a spectrum, we also care a lot about philosophy and pro-life people being known as people who think well. And so I get really annoyed by bad pro-life arguments and tactics and things. And that happens sometimes. And not a lot of people talk about that. And so sometimes I, as respectfully as possible, sometimes talk about here are some things maybe not to say 
And here are some things to say instead, given where Gen Z is at. So truth doesn't change, but culture does. And so we're trying to track that. What is working right now with pro-choice college students today, not what was being persuasive like 15 years ago? Now, how would you define a good pro-life argument? So there's different kinds of arguments. So there's so we, we kind of talk about uh, like an argument is either like fallacious or not. It's either like it holds up or it doesn't. And obviously a good argument is going to hold up and it's not fallacious, but it's also persuasive. Persuasive is a different thing. There are plenty of fallacious arguments that are very persuasive to lots of people, right? So I want a pro-life argument to be both sound, logically sound, the the, the conclusion follows from the premises and there's no logical fallacies or anything. But I also care a lot about it being persuasive. So there's some people that only care about the first thing and they're just be like, hey, my job is just to share truth and let let the chips fall where they're going to fall. Either they're going to hear or they're they're not. And I'm just not I, that's not me. I, of course, I care about it being a true argument, but I also really care about them changing their mind. I'm not interested in just like saying pro-life things. I want people to change their mind, to not have abortions anymore, to not kill their babies, to now that that row has been overturned, to be part of the movement in their own state, to make uh, uh, elective abortion illegal. Like we want that to happen. And for that to happen, process people have to actually change their minds about abortion. And I think usually that's going to happen in the context of friendship with an actual pro-life person. Now, what are some of the best arguments against abortion? So a lot of the best arguments, uh, sorry, did, I should clarify, do you, the best arguments against abortion or for abortion? Um, well, I, I think that we want to know how we should argue against abortion. Okay. Yeah. okay, yes, yes. So the best argument that we have found, the one that we found to be the most persuasive is the equal rights argument, where we're basically going to force the pro-choice person into making a choice. Are they going to be a pro-equality person or are they going to be a pro-choice person? We're basically saying, if you're going to be pro-equality, you have to be pro-life. And, and we basically say like, look, let's take a break from talking about abortion for a minute. Let's talk about something more fundamental. Let's talk about rights in general. Like, should human adults have an equal right to life. And pretty much everyone agrees about human adults. And then we'll talk about, what about newborns? Can we all agree that newborns have an equal right to life or an equal protection from violence? And basically everybody agrees on that. And then we'll kind of throw them a curveball. What about squirrels? And, and it's like, seriously, like should squirrels have an equal protection from violence? Most people would say, no, like maybe we shouldn't indiscriminately kill them, but there, but there's something different there. And so then it raises this question, you know, imagine a circle, an equal right to life circle, and everything inside of it has an equal right to life and everything outside of it doesn't. We're trying to figure out what goes in the circle. We can agree that human adults do. We can agree that human newborns belong in the circle. We can agree that squirrels are out. So what do you need to have to get into that circle? And if we go through all the pro-choice responses, like sentience, like you have got to be minimally aware of, the, of your surroundings or something. It's like, well, there's a squirrel problem. Squirrels are sentient. So now squirrels all have an equal right to life. Or they might say something more advanced, like self-awareness. You need to cognitively understand that you are an entity that will exist over a period of time. Well, now you have a newborn problem. Newborns can't do that for months after birth. And so it seems like the only answer that makes sense of almost everyone's intuitions is to say that it's something like human nature is what actually gets you into that circle. 
that 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 having something like human nature is going to it makes you equal and if that's the right answer and i think it is then the unborn should have an equal right to life too because they have that thing it doesn't matter what our what our intuitions are in the long sad history of the human race we've discriminated against all kinds of groups of humans that we said they're outside the circle and i'd be shocked to find out if we're doing that in this situation and that we are that, and, and that we're right. I think we're just, we've just exchanged one form of discrimination for another. Josh, can you tell us about the courses that the Equal Rights Equal Rights Institute offers? Yeah, so we we make online courses because there's only so many days in the year for for us to go out and speak to people in person, which is one of our favorite things to do. I love speaking, but you can. We I want to help the whole pro life movement to get better. So you need scalable options, which is like a business term for something that isn't limited by something like you know time or, or place or something like that. And so we've created online video courses that anyone around the world can, can go online and purchase and view. So the first one that we made was called the Equip for Life course. That was in 2016. And that's basically is practical dialogue tips and it's the best pro-life arguments that we've learned. We just kind of go through systematically here are all the, you know, like the pro-choice arguments you need to understand how to respond to. And, and what are the ways that we found to be the most effective? There's like 10 different ways to respond to the whole, you're a man, you don't get to talk about abortion. But we found one that works way better than the other nine. And so we're teaching those. What is it that's working really well right now? Um, several years ago, we created a sidewalk counseling masterclass because sidewalk counseling is a completely different thing. Um, the way that you should talk on a sidewalk is typically different than if we're having sort of a philosophical debate on a college campus or something like that. So we've created a sidewalk counseling course. And right now we are in production of a third course called Equip for Life Academy, which is going to be more made for like religious high schools and church groups and stuff like that. Can you also tell us about your affiliate group program, what it is, and how many affiliates you have? Yeah, so the affiliate group program started uh, last year, and it was because we had so many groups, like college groups or adult groups, coming to us asking us for more help than just the apologetics, like the courses and stuff. They were wanting more help with how do we how do we run meetings well? How do we recruit? How do we keep people interested and engaged. And I've hired multiple people in the past who were really, really good at that and had, had tested things and come to, to conclusions about, about what works and kind of what doesn't. And so ultimately we created a program where if you want free coaching from us on what works and what doesn't, we have an affiliate group program. And it's not competitive. You can be a group attached to some other group too, if you want, I don't care. But it's any kind of group, whether college group, high school group, adult, like a, there's right to life, you know, chapters that are in it. Uh, any group that wants help from us, uh, coaching on goals, setting goals, meeting those goals, everyone gets free access to all the courses. Uh, so as far as the numbers right now, we have 36 clubs that are spanning 17 states plus Denmark. We've got two in Denmark. Um, I know right, like literally, I think right now, one of my staff is interviewing someone from Ireland that's asking for one. So these numbers change all the time. Um, but we've got right now 1,572 active members. And we mean really active members, not just people that kind of go to meetings, but like are actively doing things. Um, so the average club has grown 175% since joining the program. Um, they've reached 699 pro-choice people since they started. So they've seen a, about an increase of 300% uh, 
uh, in the previous academic year of how many pro-choice people they were reaching to. So if anyone wants help from us, they should reach out and, and, uh, and join the affiliate program. That's really impressive. I mean, to think about the ripple effect, too, that every conversation can have in transforming hearts. It's amazing. So moving forward, what are the goals for the Equal Rights Institute? Yeah, so uh, so like right, right now, everything is kind of about making Equipped for Life Academy that we, we want to kind of have that out in time for teachers to be looking over it over the summer and stuff like that. So we're, we're really focused on that. I'm always kind of tweaking the first Equip for Life course because we keep on learning new things. And so there's whole modules that we're planning on, on refilming with some of the new things that we've learned. So we're hoping to do some of that this year. Besides that, a lot of it has to do with how Roe has been overturned. We're in a post-Roe world now, and that changes a lot about the pro-life movement. It should, it should change things about, about our strategy, about our tactics. Um, and so we're talking a lot about that. I'm working behind the scenes with pro-life leaders and I'm also, you know, I'll do speaking to stuff on what should the pro-life movement's goals be now? And what are some of the unforced errors uh, was a sports term for like, here's like a mistake you made that you didn't have to make. What are the unforced errors that we should be avoiding that are really important? For example, we need to be really really clear in every state law this anything like an abortion ban that there's clear life of the mother exceptions in them most of them have that a few of them haven't and it's been a big problem and pro-choice people are looking for opportunities to try to quote unquote prove that pro-lifers don't care about women or whatever and so there's certain things we need to just be really really careful about and we're trying to kind of help the pro-life movement a rising tide raises all ships kind of a thing. We just want to help the whole movement. Anyone interested in, in hearing uh, our thoughts about those things? I have a very practical question. Yeah. And, and that's, I have these friends on Facebook that I actually grew up with. They, they're not just Facebook friends. Yeah. And I am totally shocked by the fact that they are now pro-choice. Mm -hmm. How do I approach talking to them? It's a great question. So it, it, a lot of it is going to come down to how close you are with the person, right? But generally speaking, with relational apologetics, you want to be in person as much as possible. Like, like don't get into a long Facebook debate thread with a whole bunch of other people. Like everyone's virtue signaling, no one feels emotionally safe and people don't change their minds when they don't feel emotionally safe. So it's not worth it. Now get, if nothing else, emails back and forth or texts, I think a Zoom call is even better. And of course, in person, having coffee is kind of the, the the gold standard. But I would probably reach out to them. I might maybe reference their most recent pro-choice social media posts. Like maybe it says something really mean about all pro-lifers. And you might say something like, hey, you know, I saw I saw what you wrote there. I thought that was really interesting. Although, I, I, I don't know if you know, I, I'm in that category of, you know, women haters that you're, that you're talking about here. And I don't feel like I hate women. In fact, I'm actually a woman. And so that, that would be weird. And so, like, I wonder if we could have a conversation. I'd love to hear it. Like, like, I think the key is, is tell them you're open-minded. Say, and, 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 I, and I think you should be open. I think everyone should be open-minded about almost all of their beliefs. You should be open to the possibility that you're wrong about just about anything. And so just say, like, I would love to hear more about your thoughts. You said some interesting things. I'd love to hear more about that. If you'd like to hear some of my thoughts, I'd be happy to, to share those with you, too. And let's just have a conversation. Let's do something different than what everyone's been doing since, like, COVID and just, like, yelling at each other online and then, and then deleting each other and not being friends anymore. Like, can we get in person 
can we have coffee? I'd love to learn more about your thoughts. I think that would be the way to kind of initiate that conversation. Josh, do you happen to have any conversion stories that you could share with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, just about every outreach we do, uh, we, we see people uh, change their minds. So it, then it becomes hard to pick just one. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> so I'll tell you. Uh, so the one that I share a lot in my relation apologetic speech is I tell a story about a friend of mine named Deanna, who, when we started talking, was a pro-choice atheist lesbian in Canada. And I like to joke that you wouldn't think we'd have a lot in common, being that she's from Canada. Ha ha ha, rim shot. Okay. So, but we had a lot in common and we started emailing. We had like 140 emails back and forth. And then we started to Skype. This was before the Zoom days. And we had, uh, you know, we like a year and a half of like long, like Skype calls. And then ultimately she began identifying as pro life, partly because her arguments had been beaten, but also because she realized that even though she's a gay rights activist, like that's her life, that's her culture. She realized that even if she started identifying as pro-life and even if she lost all of those friends, she said she realized it would be okay because there was at least one guy on the other side of the fence who would welcome her with open arms. And that was enough for her to change her mind. And so I think so much of it has to do with who we are. We need to be obviously loving, kind, great, People. We should not be known as people who, you know, are super mean on Twitter or whatever, like all these different things. Um, we shouldn't be doing those things. We should be loving them. Uh, and, and when we respond to their arguments, we should do so graciously. I think that will make a, a big difference. And if people want to learn more about the Equal Rights Institute, what should they do? If you go to equalrightsinstitute.com, you can find all of the links to all the courses, the affiliate groups. Of course, we're on all the social medias. We're on TikTok. If you want to follow us on TikTok, then we're, we're on TikTok. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud now that we're on TikTok, but that's the place that we've gone the most viral. We've got over 4 million views in a year on TikTok. That's where we're reaching the most pro-choice people now. So a lot of people have liked the really short kind of pro-life 60-second video. So you can find us on all the social medias and reach out to us if if there's anything that we can do to help them. But yeah, they can they can start at equalrightsinstitute.com. And we've got less than two minutes left. In our in our final moments, what other thoughts do you have to share? So uh right now, so we're in a post-row America. And so here's here's a few of the things that the pro-life movement really needs to be doing uh uh like right now. We need to continue supporting women and families in difficult situations. We've been doing that. We've been doing that with pregnancy centers and sidewalk counseling and things, but we need to continue doing that. I think the church needs to step up in a really big way in this area. Um, we need to actually get into the neighborhoods. We need to be actually uh, being a resource to uh, women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies and are in crisis. Like, let's be the church the way Jesus in intended and actually be out there being with the people and helping them and getting them resources. Um, I think we should be passing legislation to create new infrastructure to support women and families now that abortion is no longer an option in certain states. Um, and ultimately, of course, we've got to keep on trying to change hearts and minds. And to do that, we need to get equipped. This, this is the hardest couple of years we've ever had for pro-life and pro-choice people to have conversations. Pro-choice people are freaking out. They're furious. They're terrified like an animal caught in the corner of a trap. So that means it's going to even be harder for us to be persuasive. So let's do boot camp. Let's get ready. Let's not assume that we already have all of the best arguments in our heads. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's a group out there that's done a ton of testing and figured out there are some arguments that don't work very well anymore. 
even if they used to work before. So we'd love to help people to just get better at explaining the pro-life view. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Josh Brom of the Equal Rights Institute. Thanks so much for having me. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.